Good evening, LCM. Tonight is September 8th, 2021. And these are unparalleled times that we're living in. Yes. I mean, images from, uh, from our recent debacle of departure from Afghanistan are abounding. They illustrate the enormous gift America left for the Taliban. True. Hundreds of planes and helicopters. Thousands of armored vehicles. Yep. Hundreds of thousands of weapons and ammunitions are now in the complete possession. Just because the Taliban promised our current administration they would treat their wives and their daughters better. Yep. The Taliban has just been given an armament worth somewhere north of $80 billion. Wow. And the ability to utilize the spoils of war against American citizens and Afghan nationals that have aided the U.S. over the last period of time. The situation of our current times reminded us of what a prophet to Israel from the 8th century B.C. had to say about the Assyrians. Turn with us to Isaiah chapter 10. As you're turning to Isaiah chapter 10, we're going to read this out of the NASB for you guys as you follow along. Are you ready? I send it against a godless nation and commission it against the people of my fury to capture booty and to seize plunder. And to trample them down like mud in the streets. So clearly, from this passage, the stated purpose of God sending the Assyrian army into Israel was to, number one, capture booty. Number two, seize plunder. Number three, trample them down like mud in the streets. This was the consequence of sinful self-reliance. Israel's faithlessness and idolatry. God had enough and he gave them over to their enemies. The overwhelming abundance of prosperity that God had blessed Israel with has now become seized plunder. It's become captured booty in the hands of the enemy. Look, we've all grown up uh, hearing a Latin phrase that relates to this. When you hear the word seize, right? It's carpe diem. Carpe diem means to seize the day. And it appears that the enemies of God in Isaiah's day and the enemies of our present day are doing just the exact same thing. Although this saying is common, we would like to put it on a more biblical footing that directs our entire attitude for tonight. So everybody, while you're in Isaiah, go to Isaiah chapter 53. Say there whenever you're there. Isaiah 53, we're going to stay in the NASB just because we want to help to illustrate the point. Isaiah 53, 12, it says this, therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Church, this is a promise. This is a promise made to the suffering servant of God, to the very Messiah himself, the one that emptied and was emptied of sinful self-reliance and looked to the Lord Almighty to deliver him and give victory. To him was given the spoils of war. Yeah. To him was given the war booty to divide with those who would be faithful and walk along with him and be strong in his name. Yeah. We glean the correct biblical attitude that carpe diem cannot grasp. No longer will it be called carpe diem or seize the day. We've got a new phrase for you. We do. 
I'm going to remind you that we're from Louisiana. We don't speak Latin in Louisiana. It is no longer carpe diem. It is carpe boutte. Yes. It is time to seize the spoils of war. Yes. And actually that leads us to the title of tonight's sermon, Spoils of War. Turn with us to Philippians chapter 3. As you're turning, say spoils of war. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Look, Christ, he poured himself out completely, all the way into obedience to death and has seized me and you as his very spoils of war, church. What kind of value does that set for you and me? Well, tonight, we're going to press on to take hold of. We're going to seize the God-ordained fixed value that Christ has already fought for and given us. Are you ready, church? Let us remind you what our brother so excellently presented to us this past Sunday. As you're turning to Romans chapter 12, say spoils of war. Man, this sermon on Sunday was one of absolute power. What the Lord is presenting to this church, what he's speaking to us consistently in prophecies, consistently, not only in Sunday service, but truthfully through Monday night's foundations as well. What the Lord is saying to us, he's putting us on the right footing for the war that is at hand. Look at Romans 12 and verse 10. It says this, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Everybody say honor. To honor one another above yourself. See, what we learned on Sunday was that this word for honor in this passage is the Greek word time. And it means a value by which the price is fixed. The value by which something is fixed in what it is worth. See, to capture the full meaning of time in this passage, we wanted to present to you an LCM version, an LCM translation of what our brothers presented on Sunday. We have it on a slide for you. As they presented on Sunday, it was this, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And in place of the honoring one another above yourselves, it says this, assign a fixed value to your brother that elevates him above you. Amen. Everybody say fixed value. Fixed value. Well, as you're looking at this, there's a couple of things that we want to make note of. Preferences about your brother's personality, their performance or even productivity. These things, they change. They shift day by day, but their God ordained fixed value cannot and must not fluctuate. They have been claimed as spoils of war. Their value has already been determined by the very Lord of hosts himself. It cannot fluctuate. We are talking about a fixed value that determines the outcome of the war between spiritual powers of nations and the very plan of God itself because we together as brothers want to win the war. But we need each other to be able to do that. For many in this room, we know that the God-ordained fixed value really spoke to you from the message that you heard on Sunday. It's been the talk of every means of fellowship and conversation that we've had. Is this true? How many people were really blessed by the idea of having a fixed value in the yes. kingdom? Yes. Yeah. 
So look, as your pastors were speaking with many of you, we realized it is an important facet that we want to help you to battle for and for all of us to win. We don't want to just act as if this was only a, an important point for you. This has been an important important and point for us as well. Yeah. See, the ability to rightly assign a fixed value to your brother that elevates him requires for you to seize the God-ordained fixed value that Christ has given to you. If you want to rightly assign a fixed value to brothers, yep. we're going to have to learn in this house, and God is going to help us to have the right kind of God-assigned fixed value in your own life. I mean, think about it for just a minute, church. If you're operating from a self-determined value, your brother may be highly valued in your eyes at one moment. I mean, a prized spoil of war for our great king. And then moments later, not worthy of an ounce of your attention. Anybody ever fluctuated in how you saw a brother? Yeah, it's because you're fluctuating in how you're seeing yourself. See, their value fluctuates because the truth is, is that yours does as well. You base your value on your own self-determined performance. And that is the same scale that you will end up weighing everyone around you upon. This completely rejects the value that Christ has set on them and you as his spoils of war, a fixed value. He fought for you. He poured out his life for you. He was laden with all of your sins because you and your brothers were his prized target. You were the spoils of war that he was after. See, with this, what this highlights is our own lack of ability to rightly assess our own hearts and our own motives. Yeah. And you should have been wrestling with that from Sunday forward. You should have really started wrestling with that on Monday night if you were here for foundations. See, we fluctuate. Between, you know, say, killing an Egyptian to save our countrymen and thanking ourselves heroic for it or asking God to use someone else to deliver his people because we are no longer valuable to God or man. Wow. Anybody ever fluctuate from feeling like the king of the universe to God should have picked somebody else? Yep. Yes. Yes, this is right. This is the right message for us because we all have, and God is going to help us to overcome this and walk in our fixed value, and he's going to do it tonight. So now that we know that we're speaking to everybody in this room, let's turn to Hebrews 11 to find a solution to this. Say spoils of war as you're turning. We're going to pick up in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. This accounting of Moses from the book of Hebrews is clearly stating the results of Moses becoming firmly and faithfully grounded in his God-ordained fixed value. Although we know from the book of Exodus that even Moses fluctuated due to self-determined value, he is an encouragement. He is a model for us all on how to grow up in the way that we see ourselves in light of what God sees us as. Seeing ourselves as God's treasured possession and spoils of war. In this passage, 
Moses displays four keys for us to unlock the treasure of who we are to God himself. And this starts with the very word refused. Everybody say the word refused. Refused. So here, oh yeah, let's do it again and kind of uh, stretch it a little bit. Refuse. It's taking a stand. But here's the question. What exactly did he refuse? He refused to rely on the very reputation he had gained as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So there's a place in the Newer Testament. We want to take a look at this. Everybody turn to Acts 7 and say spoils of war as you're turning. Acts chapter 7 and verse 20. We're going to take a look at a summary that Stephen gives. Verse 20 says this. At that time, Moses was born. And he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. See, as a son of Pharaoh's daughter, he was brought up in nobility, although he was not born that way. He was born of a heavenly nobility, but he was raised in the nobility of Egypt. He became well-educated in all the wisdom that the world power of its time yep. had, demonstrating what very few men in our day and time can do, become both powerful in speech and in action. He had both <laughs> categories going on. But this is not what he based his value on. No. Moses, like you and me, had to learn to base, base his value according to being God's spoils of war. He refused to let that be the marker of his value. As prolific as that was, he did not accept that. He refused that because he valued a position. Because he understood that to really go out and fight for others, for him to understand that required that he started, as he matured in Christ, he started to go out so that he would walk in the value that God had assigned. You all see that connection that Moses was able to walk in his calling, delivering God's people, and refusing his reputation because he knew rightly who he was, his God-ordained fixed value. It's from there that he began to rescue his brothers. Let's pick up in verse 23 in Acts 7. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Look, this is Moses relying on his reputation, his self-determined value. He assessed the situation, and he decided the course of action that he must take. That's not just him. When we do this, it always causes a fluctuation in our value, because now it's based on our performance. And we all know that our performance will never have the consistency to completely eliminate every imperfection that we have. Did you hear what Moses thought? He thought everyone would value his self-determined performance just as much as he did. And he was crushed. He was shattered when that was not the case. At least that was just Moses, right? <laughs> it wasn't just his own people that failed to value him. But it was also Pharaoh himself. 
Let me read this to you from Exodus chapter 2 and verse 15. It says this, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. See, not only was Moses' people, the Jews, not only did they not value him and his actions, but neither did Pharaoh. We see Pharaoh's valuation of the situation. Moses, who was raised in his own house, now that same man who raised him wants to now kill Moses. See, when Moses' reputation couldn't rescue his own people or redeem his status in Pharaoh's eyes, his self-determined value plummeted. He got his booty kicked. His booty was sagging. In fact, he hauled booty all the way out to Midian and hung out there for a while, like 40 years. But it was there that he began to learn about God-ordained fixed value. Because when we're performance-based, we're hoping that everybody's going to like our actions just as much as we did to start with. Man, I can so resemble, I mean, I mean uh, uh, understand that remark there. Because this is what God is working on Moses about. Moses had to be emptied of self-reliance. He had to be filled with God-reliance. Can anybody testify to that? Yes. He had to refuse his own performance-based self-determined valuation in order to find his real value, his real worth as God's spoil of war that could stand up to Pharaoh later in later days and refuse to use his own reputation to deliver his own people. He refused that and learned to trust in God in every way, not just with his words, but he learned to walk in his God-ordained fixed value. Even then, he was able to stand before the king of the world at that time and not buckle and not wane in anything that he did because he understood his fixed value. That's a good word, isn't it? Look, you can't help but notice the same attitude of refusing your own reputation when you read Paul's letter to the Philippians. So let's all turn to Philippians 3. And as you turn, say spoils of war. Spoils of war. Philippians 3, 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Look, Paul not only understood the need to have a shattered self-reliance, but also the surpassing worth of having a God-reliance. He clearly knows his fixed value is not based on his performance. Instead, it is based on trust, grounded obedience to what God has already said, demonstrating his faith through actions. And Paul refused to rely on his performance. He refused to rely on his heritage, all of his accolades and achievements, instead choosing to allow Christ to determine his fixed value as a spoil of war. Come on, that's such a good word for us here in this room. Let's be honest, you're like most of you are like me, and you don't have a, an honored heritage that you can point back to. So instead of that, what, you, what we do 
is we point towards our actions. Let me show you how I can do this. Let me help you with this. Let me give you the things that I've determined that you should like about me. And I base my value on that instead of on what God has said. See, aren't you so glad that Moses, you're learning from him today to refuse your heritage? That's easy for most of us. But to refuse your own performance, to refuse your own accomplishments, to refuse the own part of your personality that you're particularly fond of. See, refusing all of that allows you to actually walk in a fixed value because it's what God has set for you. Let's go back to Hebrews 11 together so we can see in this next facet of the fixed value. Hebrews 11, let's look at verse 25 together. Y'all with us tonight? Yes. Say, hey, pastor, we're with you. Yes. Hebrews 11:25 says this. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Moses chose to go back into Egypt. You realize he wasn't there, right? He wasn't working and walking as a slave. He was separate from that. He wasn't in Egypt. He was on the backside of a desert, far away from the misery of slavery in Egypt. He was free and clear. And yet by faith, he entered into the fray to deliver his people because of God's word to him. Yeah. See, when your value is fixed... You are able to choose to be mistreated, to revel in the weak circumstances that God is placing you in because no amount of external difficulty can change your value in the kingdom. Come on. That no amount word. of difficulty can change your value in the kingdom or somebody say or, or, or the value of the brotherhood that you're part of. See the fixed value that Paul the fixed value that Moses displayed is what gave them the strength to choose. Somebody say choose. Choose. To be mistreated. Because they weren't basing it on their performance. They were basing it on a fixed value that the heavens had assigned to them. Amen. We're right here in Hebrews 11. Look back at Hebrews 10 and let's look at verse 32. Because you're going to see that it wasn't just Paul and it wasn't just Moses. It's what we are all aspiring to. It's what we all must walk in even today. Amen. Hebrews 10, 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light. When you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. When you have your value determined by God, when it is fixed, you're able to choose to stay on your ground. Able to choose to endure great conflict that is full of suffering. When you have a self-determined value, you're ever fluctuating. You're not able to stand. This causes you to withdraw instead of choosing to enter into great conflict that's full of suffering with your brothers. So let, let us explain what we mean by that. When your value is ever fluctuating because it is self-determined and performance-based, you do not choose to enter the mistreatment of and with your brothers because of what it may cost you, and you silently withdraw from that hardship. However, when you do know your God-determined value, no cost is too high to pay. Because your value is fixed and you are eager to enter into the hardships alongside of your brothers. Rightly addressing his value because you've rightly assessed your value. 
You know your God-ordained fixed value. This enables us to live in community, church. It allows us to join in households together, drawing closer in unity as a body, rightly assessing our value as we are God's spoils of war. This was a perspective that God began to really highlight for us. As we look at Christ and his sacrifices to claim us as spoils of war, we see the necessity for us to lay down our own lives for each other in this body because you are worth fighting for. Every single person in this room to each other is worth fighting for. When I see you, I see the spoils of war that God has bought, fought, and paid for. And I want to claim every bit of it. When we have this attitude with each other, our unity becomes a fortress that we all find refuge in. And not even the gates of hell can stand against it. Somebody say amen to that. Let's look at verse 33. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You have choice A and choice B. One is you being insulted and persecuted. And choice B is you standing with those who are being insulted and persecuted. And let's just go ahead and address something really quickly while we're a family and we're just talking tonight. We don't mean insults as in someone said something to you that you didn't like. You know, they gave you a correction. They told you that you're performance base wasn't nearly what you thought that it should be see that's not an insult somebody say that's not an insult that's not an insult that's probably just the truth yes very good and you just don't like it what we're talking about is an insult when you have acted righteously everybody say righteously righteously and someone is defaming the name of christ that you represent Come on, this is your family members calling this place a cult. This is your, you know what that, that's an insult. Not right. the fact that your brother said, hey, I don't think you did that well. How dare you? No, that's being offended. <laughs> You're welcome. Just helping you. We're talking about an actual insult because you did something right. And your insult and persecution is coming from acts of righteousness on yes. your behalf. Or, somebody say or. Or. You're standing side by side. Yeah. I mean like with equal fixed value. Right next to your brothers. Because you are standing side by side to them. And you are choosing to enter into the God determined value of another. Yeah. Because you're standing firm in the value that God has fixed for you. You are able to rightly stand side by side and not go silently withdraw. Anybody ever felt so awkward in a conversation that you just kind of slipped out of the conversation? Yes. Like, this is so awkward. I'm going to remain silent right now. You exit stage right. Like, no, like, I thought he was standing right there. No, you turned ninja silent and you got out of there. Ninja, not Nazarite. Ninja. See, when you're standing side by side with someone, you're actually showing both your value and their value. Yes. This is how we win, church. Yeah. This is how you win the war. See, we, either we are the ones being persecuted or we are standing with the brothers who are. But either way, you're not getting away from the persecution. Did you catch that? Right. You got choice A and B and both of them involve persecution. Amen. 
This is what we are working towards because God is giving us a fixed value so we can stand the test. We can choose to be mistreated Amen. right along with our brothers. Amen. Let's pick up in verse 34. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Look, in fact, you're looking to choose to stand with those who are being mistreated and joyfully so because your value isn't where you live. If you are in prison, if your property has been taken, because you know that your value is fixed and it's fixed by God. And you know, your brothers also have a fixed value. So the encouragement is this. So do not throw away your confidence or better said, do not throw away your fixed value that God has given you. Do not throw away your confidence in the fixed value that God has given your brothers as well, because together we are the spoils of war. And together, we will be richly rewarded for our endurance through all hardships together. Isn't it something that's precious to us to learn tonight? That the reason that you bail out is because you don't understand your fixed value or the fixed value of your brothers? Yes. See, this is not an unusual topic for this church, but this is a fresh time where God is speaking it to us because he's closing the ranks, folks. Yeah. See, we've got a slide that will just help us walk through a couple of more verses which is uh, helping us to understand how to choose to suffer. First Thessalonians two says for you, brothers became imitators of God's churches. Wow. Not a denomination. You became imitators of God's churches. You know, the ones with the lampstands where the Lord himself walks amongst in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same thing that those wow. churches suffered from the Jews. Talking to the people in Thessalonica, and he's saying, you guys had the same suffering that we did. You chose to enter into the same thing because you became an imitator. Somebody say imitator. imitator. To be imitators of God's churches in Judea, you have to choose to be mistreated. To suffer with the same thing that those warriors of God has all, have always suffered with. And we're going to choose to do it as a church. Amen. Not just a few amongst us, but this body of believers is going to understand this. And we're going to walk just like what we saw in Hebrews 11. We're going to choose to suffer for the brotherhood of Christ. Amen. Look at 1 Peter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves like you're about to go into battle. So you yeah. know what you need? You need the standard issue, but you also need to arm yourself with the same attitude. The same attitude is what? As the Christ who suffered in his body. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they don't live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Man, to choose to be mistreated, you got to arm yourself with the same attitude as Christ, with the same attitude as those who have gone before us and suffered. Look at 1 Peter 5, 9. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Amen. You don't get a different kind of suffering. 
I don't get a different kind of suffering. If I'm going to choose to do this rightly, it's got to be to choose to do it the actual way that the Bible prescribes. Amen. And the God of all grace, the God who gives you power over sin, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a while. Not before, not instead of, not in spite of, but after you suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Amen. See, we like that part. I like that part. I like that verse. And that comes after the suffering. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to choose to walk right on into it Amen. because that is the result that comes as we do this. When you go after it, you have to choose to suffer so you can be made strong, firm, and steadfast. You know why? Because you're a spoil of war. You're a treasure. Yeah. You have a fixed value that's yes. been set from the heavens, and now it's time for us to walk in it. Amen. Saints, we choose each other because we're worth fighting for. We are valued by God as the spoils of war. Let's all turn back to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look at our third key. Hebrews eleven twenty six. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. Treasures of Egypt are the spoils of self-reliance. The treasures of Egypt are the spoils of self-determination. In the world's eyes, it is seen as a disgrace to not be a self-reliant, self-made man. But what the world sees as a disgrace, for the sake of Christ, we regard it as a greater treasure. Because it has a God-determined value. Greater than what our own arms can provide for ourselves. Tonight... We're going to shatter self-reliance. We're going to carve out the Egyptian lover out of our hearts and find no value in the inflated and false strength of our own right arm. It's only the strength of God that can deliver us. God is calling our leadership team to be more dependent. More dependent on him and more dependent upon each other. Being more unified than ever. This should give you hope and encouragement. That as you see us go through the process, we're going to be right here with you as you go through the process. Amen. He is calling this church body and families to do exactly the same thing. But it demands something of us, saints. It demands that we know our fixed value that God has assigned to us. For those who do... You can regard the disgrace of Christ as your greatest treasure. Amen. Church, the closing of the ranks as we get ready for war. The prophecies that have come forth have said that the training days are over and we're entering into days of war. We've been studying about the book of Jeremiah for, for many, many weeks now. See, our families have started moving closer together. I said this a while back about, about two months ago. But we've had 26 families either move or be impacted by a move. We've had over 40%, 40% of our church move and we're moving closer together. See, he's not only going to do that in the physical realm for us. He's trying to show us something. The Lord is working to do something in our behalf Amen. as 
Families move closer together as households join together, multiplying ministries. See, the clear call of God is preparation for the days of war that are ahead. Let me share with you a recent prophecy that came forth in one of our services. This is just a portion of it. It says, I am taking a census among my people. I'm taking a roll call of my warriors and of my priests, of those who have come to the age of maturity and are fit for service in my temple and are fit for battle. It is the day of searching. When I have called, do not be found wanting. Do not be found tending to your own vineyards. Tending to your own concerns. But, you found, but be found ready to fight the Lord's battles. I am telling you in advance so that you might meet the standard. Why is God doing this? So that we can rise up and actually meet the standard Amen. so that you might be there on the day of battle. Amen. God is trying to move us so that we can all be in the right place, doing the right thing, understanding the fixed value that he has so we can make war on the enemy. Amen. Do not be found tending to your own vineyards your own treasures, your own performance. Rest assured that your own vineyards and your own treasures are the sign of you loving Egypt and those things God is calling out so that you can get rid of them. Amen. You gotta get rid of Egypt, the Egypt loving part of your heart and you've gotta do that along with all of its treasures. You must be found ready to fight the Lord's battles with your brothers. Having a God-ordained fixed value is the only way for you to truly regard disgrace from this world system as a real treasure. We are men here in this room. We are families here in this room that will crush self-determined efforts. We're going to shatter self-reliance and loathe the idea of being a self-made man. Because in the kingdom, there is no such thing. Because our value is fixed. Yeah. It's determined by God. And our disgrace is actually our commendation from the heavens. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Turn with us to 2 Corinthians 6. And as you turn, say fixed value. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll pick up in verse 4. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. In great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report. And good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. The accommodations that Paul has given is seen as a disgrace in the world's eyes. Yet it is treasured in God's eyes. What an Egyptian treasure lover would see in Paul's list is just a list of losses, a list of troubles. What we are is the spoils of war that Paul has obtained. 
When you know your God-ordained fixed value, there is no sense of loss because it is not based on circumstance. It's based on Christ himself. This gives us the ability to hold our heads up high, to lift up our hearts with joyful expectation to experiencing the very moments of disgrace of Christ. This is what we are looking ahead to. Man, I want the list of my life to be filled with the same kind of accommodations that Paul had in his. And I know that I cannot do this alone. It requires my brothers and the family of God to be with me in it. This is more than just trying to bear through the situation. Just trying to grin and bear it. You're just, just trying to make it through. If these negative things come, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll just try to survive this. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that you are joyfully entering into these things. You're joyfully counting the disgrace for the sake of Christ as such a high value. You're actually looking forward to it in your heart. And let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 to see our fourth key that God has given us tonight. Verse 26 says, He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. The complete Jewish Bible says he had his eyes fixed upon his reward. Well, that puts Hebrews 12 too in, in a kind of a whole different thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Having your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. See, Moses was able. How was he able to demonstrate this maturity? In verse 24, it says that by faith, Moses... When he had fully grown up, when he was fully mature, was able to do these things because he was looking ahead, not looking down, not looking back, but looking ahead. Amen. Anybody ever caught looking in the wrong direction when God was wanting you to look ahead? Yes. How do I know? How do you know if you've been judging your value based on your performance? Because you look back. I thought, I thought, what well, this, I did, they did, she did, they, huh. You're looking back. Or you feel crushed and not like you're worth anything, so, so you just look right down at your feet. See, Moses was able to accomplish this because he was able to look ahead. Because he understood his fixed value. He understood that if he wasn't seeing something right in this moment, that he had enough faith to go, ha, 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 I can't see it right now. But that doesn't change the reality of what my value is or what my brother's value is. It's not going to change so I can look yeah. ahead, look past this circumstance, look past this situation, and I can look ahead and go, man, I know what my value is. I know that I'm a spoil of war. I know that God has set me in this church for a reason, and I can sustain, I can walk this out. Man. I can fight the fight. Why? Because his value doesn't change in me and it doesn't change in my brothers. Come on. It's time for us to look ahead towards this reward, church. Amen. Saints, tonight we're going to hold our heads up high. We're going to have joy and expectation that God is helping us know our fixed value in him. Turn with me to our last scripture for tonight in Revelation chapter 11. As you turn, say fixed value. Revelation eleven eighteen. The nations were angry, 
and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Look, when it says the prophets and your people who revere your name, they're both mentioned here because both have a God-ordained fixed value in his eyes both great and small alike. It's not based on the worldly value. It's not based on the performance. Instead, it's based on what God has already assigned to them in his eyes. Tonight, we must shatter our self-determined value that fluctuates based on our performance level. There is a reward that we are looking ahead to, and it is for all who revere his name. So to put this in totality, we have a slide for you. As you look at this, now is the time to evaluate. What parts of your reputation are you still clinging to that causes you to fluctuate in God's fixed value over your life? At this altar, ask the Lord to show you what areas do you need to choose to suffer mistreatment in? To enter the struggle with God's people, knowing that the unity in suffering is victory. It is here, it is now, that you can begin to be free from the spoils of self-reliance and self-determination. It is here you can have the regard of what the world sees as a disgrace, but instead see it as the greater treasure of God's ordained fixed value inside of you. Tonight, you're going to commit to faithfully fight to look ahead to your reward. You're going to faithfully fight to hold to your God-ordained fixed value. Let's stand to our feet. Mighty God, we set our hearts and our affections towards you right now. Lord, we are your spoils of war and we have a fixed value that's been determined by you. Lord, you've already made the sacrifice. You've already taken upon our sins, Lord. Help us. Lord, help us to learn from Moses tonight not to rely on our own performance-based system, our own self-determined sacrifices, our own self-reliance. But God, we must as a people walk in the God-ordained fixed value that you have placed upon us. Lord, we must walk in it ourselves and we must yield to this in, the, in our brothers that they have a God-ordained fixed value. Lord, bring unity about in this house. Bring your power about in our lives. Lord, we want to walk with the fixed value that comes from knowing that we are the spoils of war. In Jesus' name.